So we're picking up where Caleb left off a few weeks ago, um, and we're going to talk about pressing on toward the goal. But first, we're going to pray, okay? Lord, thank you for um, just this, this night, and thank you for these kids and the hearts, Lord. I thank you for every soul that's here. Um, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for Jesus, Lord. I ask that you would just use my imperfections and that you would just <clears throat> speak through me, Lord. I ask that your spirit would just be here upon every soul in the room, Lord, that we could all just walk away um, being more in awe of who you are and knowing knowing you better, Lord. Um, help me to get out of the way and let your spirit speak, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Sweet. Okay. <clears throat> so, it's been a few weeks since... Um, we last were here going through Philippians. So in case you forgot, we're in the middle of chapter 3. So the beginning of chapter 3 was Paul talking about um, what we boast in. So Paul is like, does anyone have confidence for boasting in the flesh? And he's like, no. But if anyone did, he would. And he goes through all the all these lists, this list of accolades or accomplishments or things that people, religious people saw as very good. Um, so he goes through that list, and at the end he says, but all of that is, is worth nothing. It's all rubbish compared to knowing Christ. He says, it's all worth nothing compared to knowing him, to knowing the power of his resurrection, to being able to share in Jesus' sufferings, to become like him. And that by any means possible, he may attain the resurrection from the dead. So where we're picking up, it goes straight from them. Um, does any? That's super small. <laughs> okay, let me all do this verse. Okay, so verse 12, it says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So right off the bat of this section, Paul is saying what? He's saying that even after all of these accolades, all of these things, he says all of it's rubbish. I just want to know Christ. I want to know his power. I want to be, I want to share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And then he says, but I'm not there yet. He says, I'm not perfect. And, and if Paul wasn't perfect, I bet none of us are either. Um, we're very far from it. So we have not arrived. And, and we won't until we get to heaven, right? When we're with God face to face and we're completely wiped free of sin. Um, but after that, it says, but I press on to make it my own. I thought that was interesting that it said press on because I don't know if I ever hear that in a everyday expression, I'm gonna press on, right? So I looked at the original language and I'm no scholar. The word I think is pronounced dioko, but it is an active verb and it's basically like the word pursue. 
So Paul is saying that he's pursuing this. That's what pressing on is. He's going to take his whole life and pursue Jesus because Christ Jesus has made him his own, made Paul his own. So that phrase, but I press on to make it my own, he's pursuing something, right? It reminded me of 1 Timothy 4.8, which says, train yourself for godliness. Um, Karen knows that she's at HCA. Um, Another translation says, discipline yourself for godliness. So we have train, discipline, press on. Philippians 2.12, so earlier in Philippians it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So there's another aspect of it. You have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So these things, it's clear that there's something that we have to do, right? But that doesn't really make that much sense until you read the rest of the sentence. It says, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So in Christianity, there's, there's this weird paradox or something that doesn't really make complete sense, right? There's, there's an aspect where we have to do something, but there's also the aspect of, well, it takes faith, right? So, and it's, it's a huge thing in Christianity. It's works and faith. And, and so going back to Philippians 2 earlier in, right after it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right after that, it says... For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So just like Paul's saying here, he presses on to make it his own, but it's because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So, and just like in chapter 2, it says that it's God who gives you the will and the work to do it, right? So you have to have faith to be able to have the work, right? If you don't know Jesus, we can strive after all of these good things, but we'll fail every time. We'll come to nothing every time because we don't have the faith. We don't know the worth in Jesus' sacrifice for us. Um, Our works should be a response to the sacrifice that Jesus made for us of dying on the cross for our sins and raising from the dead. Um, So when you truly know him, the Holy Spirit begins to work in your heart to desire righteousness and to hate sin. Verse 13 says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So what stuck out to me there is the word straining. And it's very similar to the whole idea we've been talking about. You have straining, Press on, train, discipline, work out your salvation, all of these things, right? So when I thought about straining, I thought about like you're running uphill, kind of like the picture. You're, you're straining. It's not a breeze. You're, you're running uphill. You're getting really tired. You're out of breath. Maybe you throw up. Um, it's pretty much the opposite of being comfortable. And I think that's kind of what Paul is getting at when he's talking about the Christian life. Your Christian walk isn't supposed to be comfortable. It's supposed to be you straining, you disciplining yourself, you training, you pressing on towards the goal, right? So I, I was, as I was thinking about this word straining, and then in its context it says, you're forgetting what lies behind, 
and you're straining forward to what lies ahead. So you're doing all these, you're straining, you're pressing on, disciplining, training, working out, but you're doing it towards something. So you're straining forward to what lies ahead. So you can either be straining backwards or looking backwards comfortably, looking at your past, dwelling in your sin, like the Bible says, like a dog returning to its vomit. You're going back to your sin over and over. Or you can turn around and face forward, and you can be looking to Jesus and dwelling on the things of eternity, right? Uh, so which way are you facing? Verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we have an aim or a goal, right? I mean, there's a, a gold medal for the Olympics, but... <clears throat> And when we, get, when we die as Christians, we'll get to heaven, and that's the ultimate reward. That's, that's our goal. That's what we're straining towards. That's what we're disciplining ourselves for. Um, that is what we are striving for, for heaven. So I have an illustration for you. Um, this, in case you can't tell, this is coffee. This is a bunch of coffee stuff. I really love coffee. I like good coffee. Um, and no offense to any Keurig drinkers out there, but I also have Keurig, and I have something called an AeroPress. There's, there's like your, your instant coffee, like this Keurig, that does all the work for you. And then there's this thing called a pour over, where it takes a lot, a lot more steps, right? A lot more work. But in the end, I believe you get a better product because you have, you can actually taste the coffee instead of just dirty water, right? So I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you the difference here. So on a Keurig, all you have to do, all I did was put some water in here. I put the coffee, the K-cup in here. And then I just press this little button. Get it? Press. I just press this button. Boom. And it's going to do the work for me. And I'm going to have a cup of coffee. All right? Now over here, for my pour over, I'm using a thing called an AeroPress. Right? It's kind of a pour over for when you're on the go, but it still takes a lot of work. Hang on, Ryan. What I'm going to do. Wait, wait. What? You might blow a breaker. <laughs> go for it. Okay. Okay. So, first, what I did, I already did this because I didn't want to take too much time. I weighed out my coffee beans. I ended up 17 grams of coffee. I weighed it out. I put water in this kettle. I have to start heating up the water. And then I'm going to start grinding my coffee beans, right?
dirty water. Am I able to trust you with cold water? It's dirty water. Aeropress is going to make in one cup, right? But the difference is that though this one was harder and more difficult, I had to press, I had to wait, I had to endure, I had to strain. This one was just so easy and it tastes bad, right? But that's the difference. That's the difference here in the Christian life. Like, we're straining, and though it may be hard, though we're, like, sharing, like, if you're a Christian, you can relate. Like, though you're sharing in Jesus' sufferings, like, it's going to be worth it because we're going to get to the goal, right? We're going to get to heaven. So we'll read verses 15 and 16 real quick. It says, Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So if you're sitting here and you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus, but you're like, I don't live life that way. I live life this way. There's, a, there's comfort for you too, because though you feel conviction, I trust that God will reveal that to you. Like if you have the Holy Spirit, it's gonna take a long time for him to reveal small things to you 
little by little, right? Our whole life is a process of sanctification. It doesn't happen instantaneously. Um, and that's because God wants you to learn more about him. So this all we've learned about you got to press, you got to train, you got to discipline, you got to strain, you got to work out. For what? Like we're going to the goal, but but what does this actually look like in my daily life? Like Savannah, you're saying all these big words, and the Bible is saying all of this like really crazy stuff. But what does that actually look like? Like how can I leave here and apply that? Here are some practical tips and tricks. No tricks. Uh, just some things that I thought of off the bat. And if you ask any leader here, I'm sure they have more things to tell you. But this is just what I thought of. One. You can read your Bible, but don't just read it. Study it, meditate on it, pray through it. Um, if you don't know what that means, ask a leader. Pray. It's a two-way conversation. You don't just have to talk at God, but you can sit there and listen to him too. Um, share the gospel. When you're bold in your faith, God grows your faith. Uh, confess your sin. Confessing your sin also really grows your faith, and the Holy Spirit uses it to sanctify you. Uh, worship. When you worship God, you take time to meditate on certain attributes about him. It, it sinks it down from your head to your heart. Um, serve. When you serve, that's like you learn about God by doing things. Um, so, And that's also how you get plugged into the body of Christ, and you're a part of his church, his people, his bride. Um, and then be discipled. So find someone like any of us leaders. That's why we're here. We want to disciple you. We want to bring you closer to Jesus um, and be a part of that with you. So find someone to disciple you that you trust and who really loves the Lord. And disciple others. Just because you're a middle school or high school doesn't mean that you're the only one that needs to be only getting poured into. You can't just receive all of this wisdom and not share it. right? So find someone in your life that you can maybe disciple too. Uh, so all these things too, I do not want to go backwards. These things will fail you every time if you don't have the foundation of faith, right? If you don't know Jesus and his grace, you're going to look at this list and you're going to like, that is a lot of things that I don't want to do and I don't know how to do, and so I'm just not gonna do it, right? Or you're gonna try, and maybe you'll do it for a week, and you'll give up, right? But when you have the foundation of faith, even though it won't happen instantaneously, the Holy Spirit will begin to work in you to desire these things, and give you the ability to do these things, along with the desire. Write this down. These are the blanks on your sheets. So number one, you have to know that you really know the grace of God. <laughs> like in verse 12, the because part. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. If you know the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. You have to know that you know that you know that you know the grace of God or you won't be free. Number two, the Holy Spirit works in us to desire good works. So back from in chapter 2 where it says, It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's not you doing these things. It's the Holy Spirit working in you. So 
So there's the burden is off of you, right? <clears throat> Number three, it's the balance. We should participate in our sanctification, right? I've heard it this way. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to push you to what you don't want to do, right? So when you have a surrendered life, a surrendered heart, that's when the Holy Spirit gets to partner with you to sanctify you and do good works, right? And that's it. We have some questions, but I don't think we have time. Do we? Yeah?
this out.